0: please rise our reading today is from Psalm 119 your statutes are wonderful therefore I obey them the unfolding of your words gives light it gives understanding to the simple I open my mouth and pant longing for your commands turn to me and have mercy on me as you always do to those who love your name Direct my footsteps according to your word. Let no sin rule over me. Redeem me from human oppression, that I may obey your precepts. Make your face shine on your servant, and teach me your decrees. Streams of tears flow from my eyes, for your law is not obeyed. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Good morning, Beacon. Come on now. You know we did this last time. Good morning, Beacon. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. Good. If you you all say good, I'm not sure how you're doing, right? So no (laughs) one was really honest on this Sunday morning. I'm grateful to be back with you. Um, Again, my name is Lawrence Aja, and especially on this weekend, in this moment, seeing new life. Now, what was interesting, I, I think about, a story, I remember going seeing um, Jesse Jackson, and Jesse Jackson was actually talking about one of the last few nights with King before he was assassinated, and how he was so weary and overwhelmed, because as you remember, uh, many as you remember, there's a lot of younger people here, I consider myself one of them, um, but at that time, King wasn't the most popular person, not even in the church. Many people looked, really looked down upon him, and he was so weary. He was sitting in a, in a bed in Memphis, and he didn't want to live anymore. And during that time, Jesse Jackson remembered him reciting psalms to himself. And literally, he saw over the course of the day reciting psalms, literally reading the word of God to himself, that's what got him out of the bed. It gave him life. There was something supernatural about that experience, that the word of God gave him life at a time that he wanted to give it away. Now, I think for many people, this view of weariness is, I think, just the, the overall sentiment of this time. So how many people feel a bit weary? A bit wearied. It feels like in the past 18 months, the past year, it's been a decade and a year, hasn't it? And not just not for us collectively, but for us individually. I'm not sure about all the stories and all the things that are happening in your life as a result of what's happening in the world, but I'm pretty sure that that is partly why you feel weary. Would I be correct? But I think even with all this weirdness, I'm grateful that we're here and we have life and that we're alive and well. But one of the things that I I think about when I think about the past year, while I'm thankful that my family's okay, I'm thankful that I'm okay. I think about all those things that we we couldn't do, all those things that kind of changed. The last time I shared with you that one of the biggest hearts that I have is for community, building communities for brothers and sisters to come together in this digital age that we're so lonely, we're so divided, we're so detached. We've normalized loneliness in our country, in this world. But even with that tradition, there's one tradition in the midst of those heavy ones, they're they're light traditions. And one of those light traditions is one that I share with my youngest sister. And that's going to Six Flags Great Adventure every year in July. Now, I don't know if I'm the only one in here. Any, any roller coaster enthusiasts in the house here? OK, OK, all right, all right. What, favorite roller coaster? Favorite roller coaster? Nitro. OK, Nitro. King Nakah. Do I have any others? Okay all right great adventure people in here but so we we are roller coaster enthusiasts and so it, during July is her birthday and we would always go we would take the day off it would be some Wednesday cuz Saturday is just like Walmart on a Sunday you don't go right so so Saturday we would go to Six Flags and you know there's there's, there's something exciting and exhilarating about a roller coaster man and uh, our favorite is Kingda Ka but this day one year something was a little bit different because what I love is that adrenaline, like right before the, the, the roller coaster gets going. Like, you, you know, you're, the, the thing raises up, you put your stuff away, now there's lockers, they try to take your money. But you put it in a cubby, before it used to be a cubby. So you put it in a cubby, you know, you're sitting, you've got your, you got your cell phone secure, you're sitting down, you're getting ready to go. And naturally, you know the scene, there's this 16 year old person <laughs> behind the screen having your life in the balance, and you're getting ready to go on this amazing ride. But this, Wednesday in particular was a little bit different. So we go on; it's nitro. My sister and I were excited. You know, the line comes up, and we go across. We get ourselves secure and everything like that. And we come down. We, you know, we put the little the harness down. You know, when you put the harness down, is the two harnesses. So our legs are dangling a little bit. We're we're sitting there, and you know, you naturally you think you're going at high speeds. You know, like you know, inside out. This thing could fling us into the Atlantic Ocean. So you're pretty sure that when they come around and check, they're really going to check you right? You know that check, that little press down, shaking over. You know that, that press down that you're like, I'm here, I'm secure. But this particular day, it was a little light. It was a little light, y'all. <laughs> and so, and so this, this associate came by and he's going by and he's like, he did this little feather ministry. He did the feather finger ministry on it. And my sister's sitting here and then he has the nerve to look at the operator, put his hands up and say, all clear. My little sister and I looked at each other like, no, we're not, right? We put our hands up. We're like, no, 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 no. I need you to come and like check us. Check us. Come back, right? Negative. This is not going to work. I put my hands up. I said, we are not going until you come back and really check us. Now, he looked kind of confused because he said, I'll clear. And I'm like, man, it would be different if his word had some sort of supernatural power that when he said something, everything would just secure but given the fact that I valued my life, I valued my sister's life, I needed assurance. At that time, his word was not enough. I need you to come here physically and resolve this situation. I need to hear the click, clicker. I need to hear the click, clicker with your hand while I'm here. You all been in that situation where their word is not enough. I'm coming. No, 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 I need you to come now, all right. All right? I'll fix it. No, 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 no at and come now, right? There are times when someone's word is not enough. The word is a poor substitute for action. The word and the action are two distinct things. And this makes sense. How we see the world, how we see the word is that the word is one thing. Action is another. The word describes action, but the word in and of itself is not action. But what happens when we think about God's word? How does that affect how highly we see it when we separate action from the word? When we separate action from the word, to some degree, it almost makes us underestimate the supernatural power of God's word. That God's word doesn't simply just describe action. God's word is supernatural activity in action. That his word, the same word that spoke the world into existence, God spoke the world into existence. That it is beheld in our hands. The, the author of Hebrews says this: For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than double, any double-edged sword, dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. This word is alive. This thing that we're holding is alive. It is supernatural. It is powerful. It is not idle. It is not a knockoff version of the God's power in our lives. It is God's power. It's an extension of God's power and presence in our lives. Do we see it that way? Now, my hope is, is that we reignite a love and an awe and appreciation of the power of God's word in our life. That we would not see it as this reference book but we see it as a living book that when we uncover it when we open it up there's something that happened there's something that happened in Dallas something that we cannot explain but what would it look like in all of this chaos and all of this tumult of the world where we don't know up from down we don't know right and wrong we are unsure about all these questions that we would see right in our hands We have an extension of God's power and presence in our life, that this is not a knockoff waiting for God's action to come through. It is not a knockoff. It is not a substitute. It is God's power in our hands. Now, be clear. What I'm not saying is that we should confuse God's word, little W, with God's word, big W, Jesus. Nor am I saying that I'm talking about this as though we're talking about low church and high church, that people in this room, that you do not have a high view of Scripture, that you do not respect and appreciate scripture. What I'm saying is I'm trying to take us to another level. Maybe you don't see God's word supernatural enough. Maybe you don't fully understand the power that is in your hand, that power that is in your grasp. If you have an Android phone, I guess it's still powerful. I don't know. But maybe we don't recognize the power of God's word. Because how we view his word impacts how we experience God's power. How we view his word impacts how we experience God's power. Now, know that I'm not going to just sit here and preach down to you on this. A couple of weeks ago, I was speaking with a close friend of mine, and I was just telling him how emotionally and spiritually weary I was after the past year. I've been through a lot personally. Many of you have been through a lot. We've lost people. We've buried people. As many people are going to Cabo and showing pictures and all this stuff, because many of us are in, in, a, in a season of lament, consistent lament, and I felt it, and I felt like aftershocks, and you know, I needed clarity on, on something. You know, when you come to somebody, you're like, I just need some direction, and you share everything with them, and you kind of want like your bullet point plan. And as the end of the conversation, he said this, he's just like, I, I, I trust, I trust Lawrence, I trust God is gonna order your steps. Now it's sad for me to admit this. At that point, I was kind of like, yeah, I don't I, I kind of need to play dog. You know, like <laughs> You know, when people give you the scripture, but you, you kind of are looking for some guidance. Think about how unconsciously we don't even see that as guidance. That maybe he was pointing me to something. And then on our morning scripture, my, my family, every morning, my, we, I send a good morning text. That's just another cover. And my, my dad sent the same scripture. Randomly. God direct my steps in our morning scripture. There was something, even in my hesitant, someone who loves, I love God's word. I, I spend time with him in the morning. I meditate on his word. But in that moment, I saw action and I saw his word. And I said, these people are not related. How many of you ever do that? How many of you ever feel that God's word is this pay less knockoff of what you really, really want? Is this generic? It's this waiting. It's powerful, but it's, it ain't quite supernatural. God wants us to experience Him fully, and in order to experience Him fully, we have to see that His Word is an extension of His power and presence in our life. God's Word is an extension, a supernatural extension of His power and His presence in our life. Life. Now, here's what's at stake if you don't really grasp this. Your faith. Because I know many of you, similar to me, are wrestling with a number of decisions, dysfunction, things, things that you distract yourself with, that pain, that that dopamine-like away, distract yourself away, there are things that you're wrestling with and you're, you're waiting for God to move. You're waiting on God to move. You're waiting on God to act. But what if the entire time as you're waiting, as that each day is chipping away at your faith in your marriage, chipping away in your faith in your ability to do this job, chipping away in your ability to be a good mother, to be a good son, chipping away at your ability to believe in the power of God. Maybe God was... Sitting as you were waiting on God, what well, God was waiting on you to meet him in the scriptures, that he would change you, that he would speak to you, that he would transform you, that he would give you hope in the wait, or that maybe the wait would end because you would get perspective by the word. I'm speaking through this slowly because I think it's easy to cast this off in your mind if you think that I love God's word. I'm not saying that you don't love God's word. What I'm saying is that there are levels. What I'm saying is that there are awe, adoration, that out of awe and adoration, there becomes worship. The more you love your child, the more you'll give for your child. The more you adore your wife the more you will lay down Ephesians 5 for your wife. Adoration brings power. Adoration allows us to experience power. Now, this is why this is important, especially in this time, in this time of chaos, in this time of upside down. I feel like God is not only speaking to us individually, he's speaking to the world, he's speaking to this country. Buckle up. Re-center. Return to my word. Because when we don't know where to go, where it seems like things are up and down, we need to know that we're going somewhere, that there's some place reliable. And God's word has always been reliable and enduring, timelessly. And we need as much as we can get. Now, part of this is, uh, part of what we're seeing today is the context of today's passage. It's the passage that I was led to, coincidentally, By my friend and my my father. Psalm 119, 129 to 136. And we see the poetic words and a posture of someone who truly believed in the supernatural presence and power of God in the word. Now for context, you know that the Psalms are a collection of of praise, thanksgiving, lament, worship, petitions, pleading to God. And Psalm 119 is the longest Psalm there is the longest one. And now a lot of people, especially if you know the older theologians, I know that I'm I'm speaking to Pastor Robert, most of them believe it's David that wrote this one. But some of the younger ones think it's Ezra, but God, I think God is not a God of waste, God is intentional, and since he had names on the other ones, if he really wanted us to need to know who wrote this, he would have told us. So it's not really that important. What we do know from Psalm 119 is that this person really loved God. This person was sitting in the face of a lot of opposition. This person was pleading with God to live according to his word. And let me read from verse 129. Your statutes are wonderful, therefore I obey them. The unfolding of your word gives light. It brings understanding to the simple. I open my mouth and pant, longing for your commands. Have you ever panted for the word of God? Turn to me and have mercy on me, as you have always done, for those who love your name. Direct my steps according to your word. Let no sin rule over me. (laughs) Redeem me from human oppressions, that I may obey your precept. Make your face shine upon your servant, and teach me your decrees. Streams of tears flow from my eyes, for your law is not obeyed. The word of the Lord. What I want you to see as we look at this posture of this individual who loved God, is that in order to experience the full power and presence, to appreciate the full power and presence of God through His Word, you're going to need to have awe. You're going to need to have awe. You're going to need to have an acknowledgement of its power. You need, to, you need to ask God to give you the power to experience it. So let us begin. All. Oh, by show of hands, how many people, when's the last time you've wrote somebody a poem? Show of hands? Oh man. Oh, 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 in the back. In the back, we have, we have a heart that works. Look at that. You know, like those poems, you know, you know, roses are red, violets are blue. Even though you love the Jets, I still love you too. Like those type of poems. Do you understand the type of adoration and awe you have to have for a person to write a poem to them? But this is what this author did. You have a man writing a poem speaking about God's word with the same level of awe that all of us that he would speak about God with. The same level. And in verse 29 129 he says your statutes are wonderful therefore i obey them. In the Hebrew it's not even your statutes it's your testimony your written word is miraculous. It's a miracle. He's saying your word is a miracle and because it's a miracle because i'm in awe of it therefore i obey them. All the power to obey. All the power, the desire, the willingness to obey, because it seemed not just good, not just okay, not just holy, but miraculous. There was something about seeing the word as supernatural that yields obedience. Now, we must stare this poetic structure is what's called an acrostic poem. I'm not going into so much of the jar- jargon, but every stanza is started. You start with a Hebrew letter, and every stanza starts with it. But another attribute of an acrostic poem is that typically the last couplet of the stanza starts to transition to the next stanza. What that means is that you don't really fully get the the context of that first line without looking at the last line. So if we reread verse 129 again and include verse 127, it says, because I love your commands more than gold. More than pure gold. And because I consider all your precepts right, I hate every wrong path. Your statutes are wonderful. Therefore, I obey them. Do you understand the sauce he put on that one? More than gold. (laughs) That's all. And out of that adoration came a hunger and an ability to obey his word. So it's no surprise the more of you on awe, the more awe you have, the more you thirst, the more you hunger. So no surprise in verse 130 when the author writes, I open my mouth and pant, longing for your commands. Now, I'm not even going to speed past that. Didn't that seem a little bit intense? Didn't that seemed a little intense for you? It seemed a little intense. I'm longing and pant. I'm like, you good, dog? You, you haven't had a Bible in a minute. Like, it seems like a lot. But or is it? How many of us could say that we ever have seen God's word this way? His word. God, I need you. God, I need you. But his word, what is it about the fact that he's longing for his word and he specifically talks about his word? Because if viewing God's word in awe leads to this type of hunger, if we lack this type of hunger, what does that lead to? Now, you remember back in the day, no, not back in the day, every day, you see those prescription drug commercials? Those prescription drug commercials, and they have those people, like, frolicking in some land that has nothing to do with the concept of what this drug is. You know, like this, you're in some nature, you're like, what does this got to do with my gout, right? Like, you don't, you have no idea what this is. They're trying to give you a vibe. They're trying to give you a feeling. It's a lifestyle. But always, it never fails. This train is never late. Right before it ends, you see all of this two-fonts. Language that comes at the end of it, and somebody who's speaking extremely fast, right? It's coming, it's like, you know, in case of emergency, if you breathe, this may be a symptom. And then one of the most common symptoms is if you experience a loss of appetite. If you experience a loss of appetite, consult your doctor. The loss of appetite marks something's off. Something's wrong. Stop the presses. Stop the presses. You need to go see a doctor if you lose your appetite. (laughs) It's a common side effect for this drug is a loss of appetite. The common side effect for the loss of awe is a loss of hunger. A lack of hunger, a lack of appetite, a lack of thirst. Because if great awe leads to obedience, a lack of awe leads to... (laughs) Here's what, here's it. It's hard to think about a lack of awe and obedience. Like these things are connected. Like I, I, I'd, be, I'd be able to, 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 to deal with this issue of pornography that I don't tell anybody about in my high school and I'm exploring, but if I loved God, I, if I awed God more, it would fix me. We don't connect those two things. I overwork, I overwork. I have no uncertainty for my family. I don't know this business is gonna fall through. You know, if I had more awe, I'd be able to obey. Or call my mom and reconcile. If I have more awe, I'll be able to honor my mother. We don't connect the two. So often we don't go to one to help address the other. We don't go to God's word. We don't sit in awe of his word because we don't connect how this will actually fix us. But if we attempt to, that greater awe will lead to obedience. Because God's word is a supernatural extension of God's power and presence in our life. (laughs) And here's the thing. All comes before the power. We all know the Lord's prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The awe of God came before the power and reign of God. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Hallowed be thy name came first the all comes then comes the power so as you're wrestling and sitting with the things that you need to do that god is challenging you to do has the all come yet you want the power has the all come yet hallowed be thy name then the kingdom will come because god's word is a supernatural extension of God's power and presence in our life. Our acknowledgement. Now throughout the scripture, we see in this passage, we see the author acknowledging the power of God's words to shape life. We see in verse 130, the unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. And then humbly, we see another acknowledgement of his power to protect us. In verse 133, the order my, the direct my footsteps according to your word. Let no sin Rule over me. Overtake me. There's an acknowledgement about the reality and power of sin to influence, yet there's a hope in the power and the presence of God's word to keep us in the face of sin. Now, you have to believe something. You have to acknowledge something is effective in order to lean into it. In order to seek something, in order to seek God's word, we have to believe it's effective. There's a beautiful story that uh, you know, the, the popular comedian Kevin Hart says, he, he shares a story when he was speaking with Oprah. He was talking to Oprah about a time when his first year of being on the comedian scene, and he wanted to prove to his mother that he could do it. And he said, you know, I may not make a lot of money, but if you could support me in the first year, I will, if I, if I, don't, if I don't hit in the first year, I'll go back to doing, go back to working at the, the sneaker store or whatever, but I need you to support me so I can pay my rent in the first year. And so he makes some money, he was doing okay, and then about month three, the money starts getting a little funny. And so he goes to his mom, he's just like, all right, mom, you said that you're going you're to help me out, and she's just like, have you read your Bible? I starts getting annoyed. He's just like, what does this got to do with the money you agreed with me? She's like, if you read my Bible, then we could talk about it. He did this three times. He would come to his mom another month. He's like, Mom, I, I need the money for rent. She's like, you know, if you read your Bible, then we could talk about it. He's getting angrier and angrier and angrier. And then the last time, because I was like, I need this money. If you read your Bible, then we could talk about it. And then in this, this is month eight now, he's like, in his exasperation, just like, I don't know what this is going to do with my rent. He sits down, he opens that Bible, and as he opens that Bible up, just to really see what this woman's talking about, as he opens it up, rent checks fall through the flaps. (laughs) That's a wise woman, isn't it? Because he didn't believe that the word was effective, because he didn't acknowledge the power of God, the power of God's word to have any influence on what he was going through, he did not seek it. And little did he know that he was overlooking a treasure. How many of us are missing rent checks of God's God's word taking residence in our minds, in our hearts? How many of us are hungry for missed rent checks? Of God's word, the residence that it's supposed to take in our hearts, in our spirits, in our minds. How many of us are missing rent checks because we don't adore it enough? How many of you are missing treasure? <laughs> now, my hope is, is that we don't need to know how God does it in order to trust that he does it. I don't need to know while ordering my, ordering my steps, why is this going to help me? I don't necessarily need to know how the word that our brother received in Dallas, how it transformed him, how his mind, his heart, his will knew that God was speaking. I don't need to know how God did it to believe that he can't do it. And with God's word, we may not be able to connect how this scripture with this situation, how does Psalms deal with my situation with rent and how I'm going to deal with my partner in my business. You don't need to know how it connects. But the one constant is you that you bring to the situation. And just like 3D glasses that you put on. Have you ever gone to a a 3D movie and not had glasses? Shout out to all the people still recovering from the headache that gave you, right? (laughs) But do you understand that the thing that you bring, the situation you can only bring, it, it, there's a saying that says you don't, you don't see things as they are, we see things as we are. To every situation that you're wrestling with, you're bringing a lens. And God's word alights your understanding so that you could see and better engage, have a different perspective. So maybe I didn't understand how I ordered my steps when I got into this word and preparing for this. Something, God did something in my spirit to let me know I'm going to be okay. I don't know how he did it, but he did it. Because God's word is a supernatural extension of his presence and power in our lives, in my life, and in your life. (laughs) Now, lastly... We experience God's words as extension through our asks. Do we ask God to help us? What we ask of someone reflects what we believe of that person's capacity and ability. What we ask of someone says a lot about what we think about them. What we ask of something says a lot of what we think of it. Now, In our passage, the writer shifts from a descriptive narrative to an imperative narrative. So in one thirty to 135, it it turns from asking and describing his disposition towards God's word to direct, turn, direct, redeem, make. There's an understanding of of, of him, a a humility of like, God, intercede. I can't do this. Help. I need you to do something. (laughs) Do something to allow me to better experience this word. Because these words, everything he was asking was so that he could better experience the word. Read everything that he's asking him to do. <laughs> Direct my footsteps according to your word. Redeem me from human oppression that I may obey your precepts. everything he's asking. God, help me to be able to do this. God, help me to be able to do this. And in the same way that he's asking, we need to ask God to help us so that we may be able to experience the supernatural power and presence in our life. Because the truth is this, and I'm going to say this as graciously as I can, putting myself on the altar as well, that many of us don't demand much of God's word, not because we have a low view of God's word, but because we have too much a high view of our own abilities and thoughts and capacities. The psalmist in ten four says something that always shakes me up. In his pride, the wicked man, there is no room for God. In his pride, the wicked man, there is no room for God. It is difficult to acknowledge the power and necessity of God's word when you overestimate the wisdom and capabilities of yourself. And you can't be led with God's word in a minefield with your own. So if there's one thing that you could do as you respond to this message tangibly, one thing I could do is maybe considering, maybe considering a week, just taking a week just to fast from social media or from news, we are bombarded consistently with all of this information, information, information. Now, I'm not saying it's all bad. What I'm saying is that if your mind, your attention, your whole consciousness is filled with that, what room is there for God's word? To meditate. So to ask that you would fasten out, you would actually meditate on these scriptures, verse 129 to 136 of Psalm 119, and meditate and sit on it. Because every time you look into scripture, you're making a choice to seed ground, seed real estate, give up some rent for God's word to take residence in your heart and in your life. And here's the truth. It's not that easy. In fact, it's very difficult. You, you say you love God, but the guilt you have when you rush that quiet time in the morning or you miss it or the laziness, the distraction, or you, I'll get back to it, or you know what? I need to, I need to really rush We rush through God's word because we don't really understand what's right in front of us. We don't see it that important. But the good news is that God helps us. The good news is that we could demand of God's help to help us. The good news is that the footsteps that he asked needed to be fixed by God. The redemption from human oppression he asked for needed to be given by God. The sin that needed to be overruled needed to be overruled. My God, the good news is that God just doesn't offer the book. God becomes the book. Word became flesh. The word became flesh. Because Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. Reaching this, experiencing this doesn't just rest on us. And that's my prayer for you. And that's my hope for you. Because love, remember that song by Pat Benatar, Love is a Battlefield? Love is a Battlefield. Remember that? They could have changed the title and put Life is a Battlefield, and we all probably still would have been a, a hit. Because life is a battlefield. In fact, life is like a roller coaster. And the good news is for those of us who put our faith in Christ, we gotta lift our hands up with security and praise that the one who keeps us in place, the harness that was lifted up, for that I be lifted up, I draw him into me, and brought down, kept us in place by nails. And that the word he's given us will guide us along the journey, and that the spirit he's given us will be a companion with us along the journey. May that be our reality. May we experience that power. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you that you have given us a living word. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your power, but we thank you that you didn't just leave us with this. You gave us your son, who is the word maketh flesh, who dwelled with us as an extension of the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit dwelling with us to redeem us in this journey of life. May you come alive, may in awe, may an acknowledgement And may a boldness as a child before a father asking for good things, God, we pray that you will give good things to all of us as we read your word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Jesus.